who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Yo, what up, fools? Welcome to another edition of the Geeky Coach Reviews. This one on Mandalorian, Season 3, Episode 8, the finale. You know, this season overall hasn't been that well-received, and I'm, I'm struggling to see why. It's actually, I think... Maybe my favorite overall end-to-end, episode-per-episode favorite season of The Mandalorian so far. I feel like the first two seasons had a lot of, I'll call them filler episodes, side quests, uh, you know, just episodes that didn't further the plot, whereas every single episode in this season did, with the exception of maybe episode six, where they did all the guest stars with Christopher Lloyd Jack Black and and Lizzo. So I think that this was a satisfying conclusion to it. And I think it gave us a lot of what I'll call just standard Star Wars. Minus maybe the space battle that I thought we'd get. You got a little bit of everything here. And you got a lot of visual callbacks and story beat callbacks to a lot of different Star Wars. Like... You have the R5 or yeah, R5 playing the R2D2 role and plugged into the computer and like turning down the, the shield things. The shield things are clearly reminiscent of the Phantom Menace with the battle between Qui-Gon and uh, Darth Maul as well as you know Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. You got Shades of a New Hope with Gideon being in a little bit of a like Darth Vader getup. You got Shades of the Clone Wars with flying Imperial, you know, Imperial stormtroopers in Beskar armor fighting against the Mandalorians. You got, again, more of kind of the Mandalorian lore and culture. And finally, in, the, in what I consider kind of the ultimate tie into Rebels and the Clone Wars, you got the end of the Darksaber saga. And so I think that the overall this episode delivered on the promise of the season. It delivered on the retaking of Mandalore. Um, you know, the episode starts off with us, you know, with the Mandalorians, with Bo-Katan kind of leading the troop that she was with out of the facility, kind of into hiding in these caves that can support life, these above-ground caves that can support life. You have the, you have Din Djarin kind of, Captured and breaking out and Grogu coming to the rescue. Grogu comes to the rescue a couple of times. And Grogu, I think, in this episode, really moves past from being a, what I'll call, a mascot to actually being a character. And I mean, yeah, he's still not talking. He's still not doing some of the stuff that you would expect for a, a character to, that is truly developing. But what you do get is... Him coming to the rescue, him using his using the force to kind of even the playing field between Din Djarin and the Praetorian Guards. The Praetorian Guards obviously being a tie-in to the sequel trilogy. So I think overall this episode was really a culmination of, you know, callbacks to all of the visual Star Wars content that's been produced this far. Again. You get elements of the prequels with, you know, the shields dropping and, you know, some stuff out of the the Clone Wars uh, cartoon. You get the 
ongoing Mandalorian saga. You get the final battle between what starts off as Din Djarin versus uh, Moff Gideon to getting to the real battle between Moff Gideon or Darth Gideon at that point is kind of what it looks like and, and Bo-Katan. And you get really the end of the Darksaber saga with the Darksaber being destroyed at the end. And while I'm a little disappointed that they ended up destroying the Darksaber, I kind of understand why they did it. Like they, they didn't want to go back to that well again. So the Darksaber is destroyed. And really Bo-Katan, you know, steps forward and becomes the leader that she was meant to be. And then you see, you know, Axel Woves taking the capital ship down and destroying the Imperial base. And then Grogu really using the force, which is a big callback to Rebels when Kanan kind of sacrificed himself to save the rest of the Rebels crew. You get Grogu holding back the flames and protecting Din Djarin and Bo-Katan and himself. And I think that just overall, it really delivered from not only a storytelling standpoint, but from a visual standpoint. And I really don't have a ton to say on this episode. Like, I think it was very well done. I think the way it was shot and the way, like, the the flying battles between the, the Imperials and Beskar and the Mandalorians was handled was really cool. I really like the scene where you had the TIE Interceptors and the TIE Bombers kind of flipping and dropping and taking off and then taking out the capital ship. And I really like how you had a character like Axel Woves who could have had like the noble sacrifice moment, not have to sacrifice himself because he's got a jetpack. So he blew out the window and hopped out as the ship came down. And so I think that they overall it delivered. I think this season really kind of delivered on its promise of this being the Mandalorian, but the Mandalorians of Mandalore kind of bringing that thematic element all the way back around. I think that you also got an additional tie in to the sequel trilogy with Moff Gideon and Moff Gideon's clones. And we finally find out that, you know, the reason that Moff Gideon was so interested in the child was not to give or to bring back the emperor and have cloning with midi chlorines in the, for the emperor it was to create a new version of himself that was force sensitive and able to utilize the force. And I thought that that was a really cool idea. Like, I don't know that we've seen that before. And I'm trying to think through other star Wars canon. I don't think that we've ever seen, you know, a non force user trying to find a way to be able to use the force. We've seen non force users try to keep Jedi and Sith from using the force. That was a big element of the heir to the empire saga. But I don't think we've ever seen a non-Force user trying to find a way to leverage the Force. So I thought that that was really cool. And from there, after the battle's done and after Bo-Katan relights the, uh, the, the forge, the master forge of Mandalore, we, we get kind of the, the epilogue for Din Djarin and now Din Grogu where we get the child who is taking the creed and then din asks for grogu to take the creed and the armorer says you know he can't talk he's unable to take the creed and din says well what if he had a parent who vouched for him the armorer says well his parents are way far away we don't know where they are and din then dinjarin then adopts grogu and so now we have din grogu son of dinjarin and he takes the Mandalorian Creed. And I think what it'll be what'll be funny is if they, 
you know, incorporate more of the Mandalorian myth with Grogu and just kind of seeing if they take that anywhere else. And I, I, it, it's fun. I, I, I like the idea of it. I also like that they went back to Navarro, you know, said their piece with grief, Karga. Grief gives him, a, you know, a cabin in the woods on the outskirts of town. Um, the resurrection of IG-11 as the new marshal for Navarro I thought was a nice touch. And then the last piece that I like is when Din goes and visits that uh, New Republic like fighter bar or fighter pilot bar. And he asks uh, Torva to basically like hook him up with any gigs as like an independent contractor. So still kind of living that quote unquote bounty hunter life, but now for the good guys. Um, I also think that that is a clever way that they will probably use, knowing that we saw uh, Zeb from Rebels, the the Lasat that was there in I don't know, it was a couple episodes back. I think that that's how you're going to get. Din Djarin being recruited back to join Ahsoka, join Sabine in their quest to find Admiral Thrawn and Ezra. And I think that the Ahsoka show is probably the most excited I've been for uh, one of these series. Really probably overall. I mean, yeah, I wanted Obi-Wan and I wanted to see Obi-Wan and have it be good and it really wasn't. You know, I was always kind of iffy on Andor and that really over-delivered. Um, I think everybody would acknowledge that minus the two quote-unquote Mandalorian episodes in Boba Fett, Boba Fett was not a great show. I think Ahsoka has the chance to kind of take up the mantle. And they're already hinting at the whole heir to the Empire thing where Thrawn is really leading the new Empire. And I'm curious to see if it probably won't happen in Ahsoka. It'll probably happen in Dave Filoni's movie if it happens at all is if we get the tie-in between Thrawn's new empire and what uh, became the First Order out in the you know wild space or the Outer Rim, etc. So I'm curious to see how that all plays out. I'm excited for it. Uh, but overall, I think this was a great season of Mandalorian. It, was, it, kind of, it kept my attention more than most. I don't think other than Episode 6 that there was any episode that it, like I would not go back and watch again, and I will probably even rewatch episode six uh, for the Chris Lloyd cameo, if nothing else. And again, they tied into a lot of the prequel stuff, and I think that that's something that this show has done very well overall, is bring life to every piece of Star Wars content that came before it, and bring you know knowledge, or bring additional details, or just additional kind of story backdrop to it. And if we get into a season four of The Mandalorian, I'm curious to see what happens with G-38 or whatever Gideon's, you know, second in command, uh, whatever her designation was in the New Republic. Because I think that that's going to continue to play a part. And maybe it'll be something where they try to go find the Gideon clone that is Force-sensitive and see if they can, you know, resurrect it or bring it to life or whatever the case is there. But... Overall, great season. Katie Sackhoff was amazing as Bo-Katan Kryze. I love seeing Katie uh, be able to portray that role again, this time in live action. Uh, I think she was really the focal point of all of this. She is clearly the new leader of Mandalore, holding that you know torch from the made from the dark saber's shell, 
and relighting the forge and all of that. And I'm curious to see if they keep playing into uh, kind of the Mandalorians overall, if the Mandalorian show continues. And really what I'm probably most excited for at this point in terms of content is Ahsoka. And then uh, I'm curious to see what they do with Skeleton Crew. And finally, it's Dave Filoni's movie. And Dave Filoni being able to take what he's done with Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, what will be Skeleton Crew, and and have a movie that kind of brings it all together. And I think that that's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see it. So I think that's going to be it for today. Uh, Trying to keep an eye out for other shows, content, etc. that would be good for this kind of weekly review format. If you got any ideas, hit me in the chat or find me on social media at The Geeky Coach. And with all of that, peace out, fools.